Last week, we kicked off a new series called Fight. We'll be in it for the next several weeks because we want to help you fight well in this new year. Now, most of us are good at fighting. We live in a culture that's good at fighting. The thing is, we fight for the wrong things or we fight in the wrong ways. We want to help you fight for what matters most in your new year and in your life because the Bible's very clear that life is a fight but we kind of mistake that. We, we don't have that clarity about the fact that life really is a fight. What we said last week is life is less of a battleground, a playground and more of a battleground. And when we don't understand that, we approach thinking life's a playground and we get, wonder why we're getting beat up in the battle. So what we're challenging you to do in the new year, here's your New Year's resolution if you haven't picked one. If not, I'm giving you one. Go pick a fight. But what we mean by that is pick what matters most that you need to fight for. Because if it's worth fighting for, it will at some point require a fight. And we want you to have clarity. What is worth fighting for in your life and what does it look like to fight well? Last week we talked about the Apostle Paul used this language a lot. The Bible does, especially the Apostle Paul. He says, fight the battle well. Fight the good fight of the faith. At the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And really, faith is what is worth fighting for in your life. To develop a deep faith and trust in God is the most important fight you will have that would really be the tipping point for every other battle you fight. And you need to fight for your faith and then fight with faith. Because faith is the greatest asset you have in life. So as we're talking about it this week, what I want to talk about is one of the challenges that happens anytime we find ourselves in a challenging situation, whether we recognize it's a fight or not. If we find ourselves in a challenging situation, uh, researchers and experts tell us that we kind of have certain instincts ingrained in us by our creator, placed in us by our creator, that we would call fight or flight. And really what I would say is, what they say is it's fight, flight, or freeze. And I want to ask you, what is your tendency? When life is challenging, is your tendency to fight, to attack it? Is it flight? Is it to run from it? Or is it to freeze? To kind of lock down and get stuck. Most of us have a tendency one way or the other. But that's typically how we respond to adversity, to challenges. We run from it. We fight it. Or we just get stuck. So today I want to ask the question that was either asked, I can't remember if it was by King Solomon in Proverbs or by The Clash, uh, should I stay or should I go? And if you just heard a musical riff, it was all I could do to not sign a way to work that musically into the service today, but should I stay or should I go is a question that if you don't have clarity on, you're probably going to run in the wrong direction, fight the wrong battle or fight it the wrong way or get stuck. And a lot of times in life, it's easier to go than it would be to stay. But there are times in life where you've got to fight and hold your ground and say, even though it's easier to go, I will stay. And then there are times in life it's easier to stay than it would be to go when God asks you to step out and do something. Now it'd be easier to stay here. Life really is a fight, and sometimes the fight is an internal battle to do what you need to do. And so 
I heard a guy named Larry Osborne. He's a pastor. Not Norman Osborne. That's the Green Goblin from Spider-Man. Larry Osborne, he's a pastor in California. And he gave some really great wisdom one time. He said, if we were sitting down to have coffee, and you were to tell me about a challenging situation you were in, he said, I would kind of tell you two pieces of advice that I think is wisdom that could help be helpful. The first one he said is, if you can get out of the pain or problem ethically, then get out as soon as possible. But if you can't get out of the pain or problem ethically, then hang in there. And he went on to say, that, that's really good advice. Like, if you're in a lot of pain and you can ethically and responsibly get out of it, like, do that. That's, that's good. But if you can't do it ethically and responsibly, then just hang in there. Stay there. Do the right thing. But he said that's really an oversimplistic way of thinking about it because if we were having coffee together and I really cared about you and what matters most is your faith, what he would probably go on to tell you in that conversation would be this, that when you're facing temptation, if their challenge is a temptation, you win by running from it. But if it's a hardship, you win by standing up to it. So sometimes when it's easier to get out of something, and you can even do it ethically and responsibly, sometimes that's not always the win. It might save you some pain, but it might rob you of some growth or other opportunity or other plan that God has for you. And one of the challenges is what we fight for is our comfort in life. Sometimes comfort is the great enemy of growth. If you go to the gym and you want to work out, it will be uncomfortable for your muscles to grow. You go into a gym, and they're very crowded this month. If you go into a gym, you don't see a lot of recliners and couches. and You see a juice bar, but not a cupcake bar. Like, like you see things like that because you have to get uncomfortable to grow. And so sometimes if we're trying to think, how can I get out of this situation because it's uncomfortable, you might need to figure out, should I stay or should I go? God, what, what is the wise thing to do in this moment? Should I stay here? Or should I leave? Well, let's think about those two ideas that when you're facing temptation, we win by running from it. To be clear, temptation, what we mean by that is temptation is this desire oftentimes to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. It's a right need, but I'm looking to meet it in the wrong way. Or it's simply, it's a desire that's not correct. And so if your desire is like, man, this doesn't feel good or this isn't what I want, ask yourself, is this what God wants for me? Is this what God has for me? Or is there a path to the other side of what I need to do? Let's talk about temptation for a minute. You run by running from it. And the key battle you're going to fight initially is to realize in every situation right now, is there a temptation or is this a trial? Which is this for me? Because our instincts in both situations are really the opposite of what they should be. When it's temptation, I want to run to it. When I should run from it. And when it's a trial, I need to stand my ground. I need to stay, but I want to run. And so we have these opposite reactions. So really getting centered on what's really going on and having clarity, God-given clarity and wisdom is really, really important. Let's talk about temptation for a minute. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2.22. He had similar advice I would say advice, I think it was more of a command, to Timothy last week where he said, hey, right now, but you, man of, oh man of God, flee this and pursue this. He says the same thing to him in a later letter. Flee the evil desires of your youth. Flee temptation. Run from it if it's a wrong desire. 
Or it's a right desire, but you're trying to meet it in the wrong way. Flee the evil desires of, the youth, of your youth, and you have to figure out what you need to run from and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Usually, there's both that are involved. We said it last week. What do I need to flee, and what do I need to pursue? Because you can run from one wrong thing or one wrong person to another wrong thing or another wrong person. What's, what do I need to flee, and what do I need to per- pursue? But you win uh, when you're facing temptation, you win by running from it. And that really does exercise and grow your faith. The Apostle Paul also wrote to a group of people in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He said, and this is what you need to understand about when you feel tempted. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. This is what we all have in common. We will be tempted to pursue the wrong things. Or we will be tempted to pursue the right thing in the wrong ways. This is a common experience that we have. And then he makes this promise. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And a lot of us think, well, you don't know how strong a temptation is I'm dealing with. Yeah, on your own, it will overtake you. But God is faithful. And what he says is he provides you his presence and his power in that moment. And he also goes on to say, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out that you can endure it. You need to endure it. You need to be able to stand. But what he says is, find the way out. And if you know what your temptation tendencies are, it should be like me every time I get on an airplane. Where are the exits? Because I get a bit... Even though I, I fly, I've, I've flown a lot in my life, and I actually would rather fly than drive, I always have this little nervousness. And I always sit here and go, you know what, if this were a movie about an airplane that something went wrong, everybody would be ignoring the person giving instructions right now, and that's exactly what they're doing. But then I get more nervous when I'm on the airplane, and I'm sitting there, and I see this person intently looking at it, like studying everything. I'm like, do they know something I don't? It could be that I'm just paranoid. I'm not sure. But what you know is if you want it, if you know there might be danger, always know where the way out is. And if you know things will tempt you to pursue the wrong thing or to pursue the right desire in the wrong way, what's your way out? Because God is faithful and he will provide that. And he provides himself. But if you want to win when you're facing temptation, you win by running from it. That's, what, that's where the win is. But when you're facing hardship, we win by standing up to it. And this is an important thing. This is where it's counterintuitive for us because what we want is comfort. And we think, well, if I can get out of it ethically, I should get out as soon as possible. Maybe. But what if this is a key moment where God wants to do something in you or through you that will shape you to be the person he created you to be? James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. I consider trials many things. Very rarely do I consider it a joy. Something goes wrong, I don't go, yes! Finally, something went wrong. I was waiting for this. I was hoping for this. But, But he says, consider, like there's a choice in our attitude. And how we view this is incredibly important not just for how we handle that situation, but for our own development and growth. He says, consider it pure joy. 
because you know that the testing of your faith, faith is your greatest resource. And if you don't grow it, you're missing out on an opportunity to have the greatest resource you have in life. The testing of your faith produces perseverance, the ability to keep going. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So in temptation, you win by running from it, but trials is different. You win by standing up to it, and there's a difference. And Understanding the difference is incredibly important. He goes on to say this in James 1.5. He says this, that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In that moment, what you need when there's a difficulty, what you say is, I want strength or I want relief. What we need, James says, is wisdom, clarity. God, what's the way out, or what do I need to do to stand my ground? What is necessary here? And again, it's a difference. Is it temptation or is it trial? 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says this. Be alert and sober-minded, clear thinking. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. That's how you win, by standing up to it. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, will himself restore you. And this is what he'll do in your life. He will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do. And in that moment, you've got to have clarity. Is this temptation that I need to run from it? Or is this a trial that I need to stand up to it. Which is it? That clarity, that wisdom is incredibly important. The Apostle Paul says one of our biggest problems of clarity is we think it's a practical problem, but really he said it's a spiritual problem. There's a spiritual fight at stake. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, Therefore put on the full armor of God. By the way, we're going to come back to this passage next week. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Again, it's clarity. Temptation, you run from it. Trial, you stand in it. And after you've done everything, to stand. Well, in these moments where we have these challenges, we're trying to figure out what is the battle that needs to be fight here, that I need to fight here. Is it temptation? Is it a trial? Like, what do I need to do? Do I need to run? Do I need to stand? Do I need to fight? Do I need to back off? Like, what do I need to do? Should I stay or should I go? Let me give you four questions that might really help you with some clarity on that. The book of Proverbs, by the way, is, is, is a book of wisdom, and a lot of the references I want to give are from there. But what we need in those moments are wisdom. And so here's some four, like if you're trying to decide what should I do in this moment, these will help get some clarity to the decision because the, the, whatever fight, if you've picked your fight, if you know what your fight is, if you know what's worth fighting for, it will be fought by decisions. Sometimes little moment-by-moment moment decisions, sometimes big-picture big decisions, should I stay or should I go, it will all be made by those moment-to-moment moment or big-picture decisions. So here's how to make some good decisions. The first question you want to ask is, what does God say? What does God have to say about this decision? Proverbs 19, verses 2 through 3 says this, Desire without knowledge is not good. See what it's saying there? He says, like, if you have this desire, but you don't have wisdom, 
you're going to run to the wrong thing to meet that need. Or you're going to try and meet that need in the wrong way. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, and this is a tough word for us, submit to him. What does it look like for you to trust God in your fight? Submit to him. If you want to be a fighter, you're going to have to submit. We don't like to do that. But that's where the battle is won or lost. It's that little decision, that little moment where you say, God, I'm going to listen to what you say. Even though you've promised you hear, listen to everything I say. I can cast my cares upon you. But God, right now, what is it you say? I will submit to your plan. And he promises he will make our path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And that doesn't mean be afraid of it. It means submit out of reverence. There is a God, and it's not me. It's you. I'll let you be God, and I will follow. Fear the Lord and shun evil. You always win by running to Jesus. That is always the win in any given moment. Seeking him first, following him with your whole heart. And most of our fights are won with trust. The challenge for many of us is we want to follow God's plan until it gets uncomfortable. And again, if comfort is your number one goal in life, you will seek that wholeheartedly. And for many of us, we want God's gift of eternal life more than we want to follow his plan for our everyday life. And that's where the battle is won or lost. God, I want what you can give me and a lot of the promises about eternal life. I want that, but when it comes to my everyday life, I'll call you if I need you. I'll let you know if the plane's going down and I need to know where the exits are. I'll call you then. What would it look like for you to trust God with all your heart, with all your life, every single piece of it? So if, you wanna, if you're making a tough decision, ask yourself, what does God say? And know your tendency of your heart is to probably steer clear of that in some areas. The second question is, what do the facts say? What do the facts say? What, what, does, what does the information I can see tell me about what's this decision I'm making? That verse I read earlier, Proverbs 19, 2 through 3, desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? If you make snap decisions, your instinct is not always first instinct going to be correct. To make wise decisions is important and understand that if you're just following your heart, it will lead you to some crazy places. If you make a hasty decision, you will miss the path. A person's own folly leads to their ruin. And then he makes this wise observation. My own folly leads to my ruin. I end up in the ditch a lot of times because I made the choice. And then my heart rages against the Lord. God, why would you bring this into my life? To which his response is, I didn't. You did. You invited them into your life. You made that purchase. You made that choice of what to feed your mind. This was you but I'm still here. I can get you out of the ditch. But let's be very clear. Your hasty feet, your impulsive heart is the one that got you here. That's why God wants our heart more than he just wants our stuff and our money and our time. He wants all of us because out of the heart is where these decisions flow from. 
Proverbs 22, the prudent see danger and take refuge. They look at the facts, they see their surroundings and go, there's a problem here. I should be careful. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Some of us right now are ignoring the facts in our life that there's a problem. And our strategy for turning this around is, I hope it goes away. I, I hope they make better choices. I hope I make better choices. We're, we're sitting just hoping things change on their own. Pay attention to the truth. Pay attention to the facts. First, pay attention to God's truth. But then look at the everyday truth in front of you. What does it tell you? What do the facts say? And then invite others into the question. Um, what does wise counsel say? I, I think that word wise being inserted there is really important. Because if you just ask, what do others say? Be very careful who you're listening to. But if you're listening to wise, godly people who are concerned about your faith and your life, what do they have to say? What is their perspective? We have blind spots. We all do. We have blind spots in our life where we need the wisdom of others, sometimes because they've experienced more life than we have, they've experienced different life than that we have, or they have a different perspective on my life than I have. But the, the wisdom of others is incredibly important. Listen to advice and accept discipline. This is the, the command from Proverbs, the, this wise suggestion. And at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. If you want to be a wise person, listen to others. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So again, listen to others, but in the end, God will, God's truth and God's way will have its way. But listen to others. And know that there's this temptation, tendency in me and probably a tendency in some of you to surround yourself with people who see things exactly the way you do, who are kind of, they're, they're going to be on board with your perspective, with your ideas. Find people who are willing to tell you the truth, all of it, to speak hard truth into your life. Because if you just get people who are patting you on the back saying, go for it, go for it, go for it, and they're not willing to say, bad idea, you will go, hey, well, at least we're in the ditch together. <laughs> Get wise people around you, especially people who are willing to speak truth and love. Proverbs 12, 15 says, There's, the way of fools seems right to them. It just makes sense to them. But the wise listen to advice. They listen and they do it. They follow it. The role that others play in your life is incredibly, incredibly important. Don't ignore that. Then the fourth question you want to ask if you're wanting to make a really good decision, whether it be should I stay or should I go or how do you handle a certain moment, ask the question, how will this impact others? Every choice, every decision we make is a battle. It's part of the battle. It's a fight. But it always impacts others. What are the ripples that that decision will make in the life of others? Paul challenges, challenges us to live this way. By the way, this is, uh, Mark told you guys to submit your verse or, or a verse that's impactful on your faith, and share it with others. Becky Palmer, who's on our board of directors at Live Oak, submitted this verse. This is her verse, and it says this in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I love that Becky's on our board, and this is a verse that guides her life because we ask her to be wise counsel with how we handle 
uh, finances and, and affairs of the church in terms of the business operations and the day-to-day operations. She's, she's a volunteer on our board. I love that that's a guiding principle for her, and I love that that's true for every person on our board. This isn't about me. It's about others. How do we serve others well? Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And this is a lesson right now I'm trying to impress upon my kids And I recognize the biggest barrier for me helping my kids get this idea that life is best when you're thinking of others, the biggest barrier for helping helping them understand what it looks like to be selfless rather than selfish, the biggest barrier for that is me. I'm an only child. Selfish probably should be my middle name. Like, that's what I grew up with because... I was just, it was just me and everything was about me growing up. And so helping my kids understand that. And I actually use the same imagery of a gym with them right now trying to talk about that. This idea of being others focused, it's a muscle. And when you exercise it, it grows. But, but like my son is re- kind of putting a few pieces together lately. We took a, a kind of a guy's trip, he and I, for his 10th birthday. We went to Dallas. While we were there, we were walking in downtown Dallas. And there was a man there who was sleeping on the street. Had a blanket, it was cold. And my son was just so disturbed that here's a man that's on the street and has nothing. And he said, let's go back and give him some money. I was like, well, how do I talk to him about, you know, some of the challenges with that? But I go, I I want him to exercise this other's selfless muscle. I said, well, John, there's some money that you had you were going to spend later. Do you want to give some of it to him? Yeah. And so he took out some money. I think it was just a dollar, but he took it and gave it to him and Handed it. As we're walking away, I said, John, how do you feel right now? He goes, I feel really good. I said, yeah, because God made you to be others focused. And when you do that, you feel like, this is what I was made to do. But the temptation we face every day is to look after my interest, even if it's at the expense of yours. And so I tell my son on a regular basis now, I go, don't fall for the trap. The temptation to walk away from serving others to serve yourself only. And he's starting to get it because last night we were in Kitty Vegas. That's uh, 50th Street Caboose, by the way. Also Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, things like that. We were in Kitty Vegas and um, Gracia had a birthday party and she was with a friend at Chuck E. Cheese, the other Kitty Vegas. We were more at the Fremont Street experience, kind of the, the 50th Street Caboose. And, and we, were, we were there and he's playing these games and there's this one game where if you hit a little thing and you hit it just right, not too hard, not too soft, it gets to the right spot, and instead of getting five tickets or ten tickets or even a hundred tickets, you get a thousand tickets. He did it. Twice. Like suddenly, like he's counting cards in Kitty Vegas. He's, he's figuring out the right way to beat the house, and he's kind of going on, and he gets it. And so finally this other kid gets it, he's, can I try it? He goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so that kid steps up, and he's trying it, and he can't do it. And so this kid looks at my son, and he goes, he swipes his card, the kid does, and looks at my son, and goes, would you do it for me? <laughs> so Zan says, sure, and I'm like, okay, he's going to end up getting five tickets or whatever. He does it, and for the third time, he hits 1,000 tickets. And I'm thinking, okay, now, what battle is my son fighting? He's going to at least want a cut of it, right? Hey, I, you know, I have, a, I have a consulting fee here, like, like I... I, what, 50-50, what, 60-40, how do you want to split this? And instead, my son goes, he goes, hey, let me get these tickets. And I'm like, oh, no. And he picks up this huge thing of tickets. And he goes, hey, let's go run out the machine. He goes, do you have your card to put on your card? I'm like, wow. 
And he walks over, and he's helping this kid feed tickets to the machine. And he's asking questions about him. He goes, how old are you? He goes, I'm in, I'm in fifth grade. Oh, wow, I'm in fourth grade. What do you do for fun? I'm like, what is going on with my son? He's chatting up with this kid. But what I was more overwhelmed with is here's Jean is obsessed with getting these tickets, and he just hit 1,000. And he said, here. And we walked away, and I asked him that same question I asked him on downtown Dallas. How's your heart feel right now? He goes, it feels really good. Because that's what we're made to do. We're made to be connected to others and serving others. Don't fall for the trap. This temptation to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way where you think the best path to happiness is looking after myself. No, that's the long way. If you want to live a deeply satisfying, joy-filled life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And our fear is, I'm going to miss out if I do that. No, you're missing out if you don't. If you want to know if you should stay or you should go, if you want to know in this moment, should I fight? Should I freeze? Should I run? Like, what's my, what should I do here? You always fight for others. And some of the most important things you're going to fight for, the fight truly worth fighting for, is keeping you from running, from fighting for others, and living that kind of life. Looking to your own interest, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Others is the fight. That is the fight. And at Live Oak, we really believe deeply that this is worth fighting for. And you can't make relationships and community always happen. But we can create the right environments and hope that people will find others that can fight with them and fight for them and make those connections. So we have a thing coming up called Group Link. And it's a, it's a, I'll be honest, it's an introvert's nightmare. And the introverts always seem to find me at these things because they see me over in the corner and I'm there. I'll be at group link and, and, and I'm an introvert. And those are hard. Like crowds are hard for me. So God with a sense of humor made me a pastor. And, and, and it's challenging. But, but I promise that instinct to run from others, run to them. And if you're an extrovert, like maybe this is easier for you. But if you're not connected to others... This is the way we help people find a group of people that they could kind of say, hey, can we form a community here? And it's a short-term commitment. After that, when you, if you decide to join a group, you kind of be in it for a season. You go, is this working? Can we, can we build this? And this is where you make some connections. And I want you to see the story of one guy, Tony, who he gave this a shot. He was a little skeptical, but he gave it a shot. And this was his experience by coming to GroupLink and then jumping in, in, in a very particular small group. So watch this. Well, the reason I try to try a small group is because coming new to church, it's kind of hard to figure out how do I get plugged in, who are these other people, and what can I do to be intentional with my time? And looking at small group opportunities, I thought, you know, 
there's no master plan on how to come to a new church. And this would just be great to understand kind of their heart and soul, the people that I want to worship with. You know, how do I get plugged in? I don't know anybody. I'm new. I feel somewhat awkward. And actually, quite frankly, it was pretty resistant on a lot of levels. You know, I'm a single parent dad. Uh, I'm not going to be in the young marrieds. I'm not going to be in the college career group. I'm not going to be in the uh, senior group. I'm busy. I'm tired. Uh, here's another thing to sit around, some Bible study. That doesn't, none of that sounds fun. But the reality of it is, is I need that structured time. I need to go and hang out with some other guys. Uh, I need that time to be able just to go and say, I'm tired. What are we talking about tonight? But the whole thing is, is it's, it's hard to do life by yourself. I, I think the best way to describe what a small group has done for me is one, it's just a place to have fun. Uh, two, is a place to become spiritually refreshed in Jesus Christ. And thirdly, is to just really uh, narrow down or be laser-like focused on some core fundamentals that just go on in life and it's just more welcoming it's casual it's come as you are and when you leave you're going to leave with phone numbers with friends you know you have to go back to your own heart you know why am i here am i here just to have friends great it's a great place to have friends and through those friendships where does it come it comes with sincere hearts and desires of how people really generally want to help and from there i've, I've created friendships that of other uh, industries that i would have never thought possible I want to challenge you to do either one of two things. One, I, if you're not in a group, uh, try GroupLink. And it's, it's a no commitment, but it's a mixer designed to see the different kind of group, groups that have openings at, that, at this given time, and lots of variety of groups, and to find a mix for you. But if you say, there's no way I'm doing that, or, or that's really not my next step, um, I promise you, community is your next step. You were not meant to do life alone. You need others to fight with you and to fight for you. And that is worth fighting for. Many of us have this instinct in life that when it comes to relationships, we have a flight instinct. We isolate. We hide. Even in the crowd, some of us are very good at hiding. One of the things that will help you fight your battles well in 2018 just in life, it is to be known by others and to know others. And God designed us for this relationship of, of community, of life with others. So I want to challenge you to figure out who are your others? Who, who will you be fighting with and who are you fighting for? And don't give up on that fight. And as we think about, should I stay or should I go? Or how do I make these decisions to help me bout, fight well? One of the most simple questions I I that helps me kind of guide my life is I just ask myself the question, what story do I want to tell? Like, what story do I want my life to tell my kids and my friends and my family? Or even better, what story does God want to tell through my life? And what I've learned about myself is my tendency is to run to the wrong battles or to fight for the right battles in the wrong way. And if I ask myself this defining question, in this moment, what is God doing right here? What is God doing in this moment? Which has been a helpful question for me. A lot of times what I realize is my instinct to run from something, God says, what I want to do in your life requires you to stay. 
And there are times in my life where I feel like I want to stay here. And God says, no, what I want to do in your life right now requires you to go. I don't know what your next steps are. and I don't know what battles you're fighting, but I do know that God understands and he knows and he has a path, he has a plan. And if you will listen to him, if you will submit to him, if you will trust him with all your heart, he is fighting for you and he is fighting with you. And he will not leave you in the dark and he will not leave you alone. That he, in fact, is fighting for you. Let's stand for closing prayer. And as what our hope for you is that you would have clarity, that you would pick your fight. What is it you're fighting for right now? What's a battle you're fighting that you need God's help? What's a battle that you're fighting for that you need to see what the next step is? God says, ask for wisdom and he will give it to you generously. What we're praying for you is you would have wisdom to fight well, whatever battle God has for you right now. Heavenly Father, you've promised to give wisdom generously to anyone who asks. So many of us are asking for wisdom. We have a, moment, a situation in our life where we don't know quite what to do. So we ask for wisdom and we trust you. I pray you'd give us the courage not just to do what you say, but you give us the courage to say yes even before we know what it is. That we wouldn't let our yes or no to your plans be based on how we feel about it. We would say yes because of what we believe about you and we trust you. And God, there are moments we're in right now where we want to run, but you're asking us to stay. And there, some of us are in moments right now where we're, you're asking us to stay and we want to run. Like all these things are going on. God, I pray you'd give us clarity for what you would have us do. Should we run? Should we stay? And give us the courage to take the next step. And Father, thanks for the promise that when we follow you, you will always lead us down the straight path. Father, for those who are worn out, that are tired from the fight, promise them that you're fighting with them and provide some people around them who can fight with them and fight for them. Don't let any of us do life alone. And I pray your best on blessings on all those who are in the room who are fighting right now for what matters most to them and to you. I pray you would strengthen them and encourage them in this fight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, I'll be down at the front.